This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Inhumans, episodes one and two. We are the change that we seek. We will have a new beginning. When the current crisis has passed, we will leave Adelaide and go to Earth. Life will be what you make of it. The doors of opportunity will be wide open. We will create our hope. We will create our destiny. We will create our will. We will not let anyone or anything stop us because nothing can keep us from being free. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast hidden on the moon. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? It'd be great if we were on the moon. There'd be a lot more um, echo, though. A lot more echo? Do you think it's echoey on the moon? I assume it's echoey. Well, because there's no natural foliage or anything to... I guess, but there's nothing to bounce off either, right? There's no walls. You make an excellent point. Some of them just go out and never stop. I don't know. I don't know how sound works, though. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're a, you're a professional sound engineer. I'm a professional sound engineer. As you can tell by the quality of this recording. The high quality of mm-hmm. this, this particular recording and all other previous with, recordings. With the, with the IKEA blanket hanging behind you to suck up sound. <laughs> it's perfect soundproofing. All right, Jordan. So this week, we're watching Inhumans. Mm-hmm. 2017 2016 by far newest show we've ever seen so uh what do you what do you know about the inhumans i know a little bit about them not i never read them like i know it's stanley and jack kirby and i could tell you just just the basic plot of it i could tell you it's jack kirby that's right up his alley so like did stanley have anything to do with this probably very very minimal but i knew that they were i thought they were from the 60s which i do think yeah so they they started 1965 as their first appearance. Fantastic Four 45. I looked it up. But I knew them more from the sort of late 90s run because I know it had won some awards. I think it won an Eisner Award. But that was where I was a little more familiar with them, um, sort of a newer version of them. But my knowledge wasn't that high for them. Like, I know the basic concept, but I never really read them. I know they're a Marvel property. Mm-hmm. And I know this pilot was in the IMAX. <laughs> The reason I say it's like Jack Kirby is he had a tendency to create these gigantic universes every time he had a story. It's like, well, here's the story, but it's never just like guy meets girl or whatever. It's okay. Let's go back 5,000 years. Here's what happened. That's And that's why I was like, as soon as we started this, I was like, oh, this is so Jack Kirby. Um, so ran on C. Oh, sorry. Ran on ABC. ABC. Yep. Um, September 29th, 2017 to November 10th, 2017. Now, let me ask you, you mentioned just a moment ago that this was shot on IMAX. I have two questions about that and you might have the answers. One, was the entire series shot on IMAX or just the pilot? And secondly, did it air in theaters first and then on TV or simultaneously? Do you remember? Um, I don't know the answer to whether it was all done on IMAX. I would suspect probably just the 
this sort of pilot movie combo yeah. they have here. I, I think you're probably right. Anyways, we'll, we'll know as we watch further. Um, and it premiered at the IMAX, I think, weeks before the actual TV release mm. of it. So it was kind of like a prelude to it. This is kind of, you know, I mean, Marvel's still in its big heyday right now, but this was kind of like after Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and there's like going to be a big new Marvel movie and uh, or TV show. And they, like, I think the idea was to hype it up with um, an IMAX. And I mean, you'll see in the opening credits of this show, uh, it's like produced by Marvel Entertainment with IMAX because, mm-hmm. you know, IMAX clearly put a lot of equipment into this and we're like kind of like yeah great we're we're involved in this too we want to get in the the uh, the marvel t- the marvel train and there are so many shots in this that trying to take advantage of having a gigantic camera is all just swooping shots i would bet that those swooping shots that's probably where the imax team comes in because they you know they yeah. do a lot of documentary a lot of vista so that's probably where imax comes on as producers they come in they shoot all the vista stuff and then they hand off the rest to the tv directing team so all the actual acting and action stuff is probably by a completely different team. That would be my bet anyway. So do you want to know what was happening in the world between uh, September 29th and November 10th? Yeah. In 2017? Can you even remember what was happening? Were we doing the podcast? (laughs) I don't think we were yet, right? I don't think so. No, no, I don't remember what was happening in 2017. You know what? Uh, It was a bad time. Was it? All around for everyone. I honestly tried to look it up and th- there wasn't even like one nice thing that happened in that like oh, really? mo- month and a half, two months span. Well, g- g- give me some uh, unhappy things. I mean, uh, three, three, uh, three mass attacks in America. Oh, yeah. Three okay. in a two month span. Like America lives in a bad, bad place right now. It was um, the Vegas shooting. Right. Followed by the New York truck attack. Right. Followed by the Texas church shooting. Oh. I'm like, and I was just like, those were all within the same like 60 day window. That's awful. Just yeah. awful. And then to add to that, this came out in IMAX. Well, this was before that. Oh, this was, this was during the run of the show. So right. I, it was, things were before that, when it was in an IMAX, everything was the different world. Like we, <laughs> right. it, we were living in like a sunny world before right. that. And then the, uh, the thing that I noted though, that was maybe still awful but uh, not in as tragic a way um uh german newspaper first published all the panama papers so it's like oh. kind of when the panama papers came into people's consciousness that's interesting um you can kind of see why a irrelevant piece of fluff like this maybe people weren't like lo- looking to like latch on to right right although maybe you would think they'd want some sort of escapism but like the contrast between these two things like what's happening in the world all this shows that is just like it doesn't feel like it's in the same world i mean it is an interesting point and i don't know if it will organically come up in the next several episodes as we talk about this show. But obviously this podcast is about shows that didn't make it or at least had short runs or were underappreciated. Marvel, I would say still at this point or Disney really for the most part have been financially knocking out of the park. These are all successful properties. This was not one in terms of, I'm assuming the money put into it and the length of the program they got, but it's interesting to know or find out, if that was just a rare misfire or if it was something at that time, like was this, this, you know what I mean? Were they just burning out of TV properties? I mean, I think we'll have to dig into a little more over future episodes, but I I think the ABC TV show properties never really clicked because they had agent Carter, agents of shield managers to stick around, but I think it came to some brief, almost cancellations. And then they started sort of doing their Netflix shows, which people tended to gravitate to because they were, you know, a little closer to the movies and a little more like they could do more things there. And, you know, even those are pretty hit and miss, I think, with audiences. So right. I just don't think Marvel ever, like, mastered television the way they mastered feature films. Right. 
I'll give you I'll give you some notable deaths just so we can uh, end this uh, rain some more on this little parade. <laughs> okay. September thirtieth, Monty Hall. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, after that, three in October. This is going to be a huge loss for you. These are all I think your musical icons. <laughs> they, yeah. Okay. All three of them. October second, Tom Petty. Yeah, that was sad. October seventeenth, Gord Downey. That's right. And not then, a big tragically hit fan, but still sad. October twenty fourth, Fats Domino. <laughs> oh, oh, that is sad. That is real. Fats uh, Domino. Those are all three like major musicians. Like yeah. I was just like, whoa, that's a. <laughs> that was a that was a rough. You're uh, right. That's a rough three months. This is this is a it's, like it's only two months. Like it's the roughest sixty days I think I've ever read. <laughs> I, no, I'm sure it was rougher somewhere, but nah. well, there was there was those uh, that one month that court came out. That one month, and everyone's like, "Woof." Yeah, well, let's just forget that. Everyone, let's call, let's call this whole thing off. Yeah. All right, you ready to get into it? Yes. Behold the Inhumans. So, because the uh, first two episodes were basically edited together to be a feature film, and then split up for the TV show again, we're I think we're going to treat these as episode one and two kind of as a single episode. I think so. Um, so I'm going to give you uh, the IMDb summary for episodes one and two: Behold the Inhumans and those who would destroy us. The royal family, stranded in Hawaii after a military coup, faces internal strife, which they must overcome in order to return home before their way of life is destroyed forever. Yeah, sure. Yeah, who, I mean, who, who wrote the, who wrote that? No, no, I, no one wanted to take credit. No for one it. wanted to take credit, huh? They were just giving it to us out of the goodness of their heart. Mm. And let me say before you even start, because I'm sure you've got a way that makes sense of keeping these it's sort of few plot lines yeah. going. If there's one major criticism I have of this show is they jump back and forth from things so many times, it will like, give you whiplash. It's like, even the beginning, it's like, we're on the moon. Now we're on Earth. Now we're in Hawaii. Now we're here. We're back on the moon. Then it's like it's like two minutes, and you're like, okay, guys, just pick a scene you want to go with, and then just go from there. There's there's definitely a lot of intercutting throughout this episode, and I have streamlined the whole thing, so we're not jumping all over the place. But yeah, it, it does open uh, in Hawaii with an inhuman named Trident who's uh, trying to uh, save a, a young woman with lizard eyes. Yeah, um, what yellow tr- lizard eyes. What does Trident look like, though? Trident. I'm trying to remember now, actually. I because he's not in it that much. He's only like two real quick scenes. Yeah, right at the one. top. Is he is he green or is he yellow? He's green, right? He's all green, and he's got like a line down his face. I think he's got a fin on the top of. Is his Is that head. what it was? I think he's got a fin on the top of his. Yeah. Head. Anyways, he's a some sort of fish lizard man. Fish lizard man. Um, the two of them are pursued by gunmen who who kill the lizard eyed lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, shoot old trident who jumps off a cliff into the ocean and uh i did enjoy as he hits the water it's the bloodiest splash like he yeah. exploded like a water balloon full <laughs> of blood. yeah and we don't know who these guys are that are attacking them but they're sort of like look like guerrilla military yeah, paramilitary yeah. types i do like though after he jumps off they they stop at the edge of the uh, of the cliff and look at them on the water like well mission accomplished i know i love that and it's like when has this ever been like you have to confirm that kill you guys they have they've never watched a tv show or read a comic book or anything like they're like yep seems like our job's done seems that's good at which point we we jump up to the moon to the city of adeline adeline i think that's how you pronounce it and it's sort of hidden on the moon from so earth can't see it with like a biodome or a force field has kind of got shades of wakanda like that way of yeah. hiding a city yep and uh we get to meet king black bolt and queen medusa as uh they have some sexy times right it, off the top it, this is at least the second and if not third time we've watched a show where they do a real hard cut to a sex scene that like right off the beginning like uh, the one that comes to mind immediately was um mockingbird the, mockingbird yeah yeah it's it's it seemed very early to jump right into their bedroom but hey give the audience what they want <laughs> yeah yeah a little uh 
a little uh, tantalizing, uh, very chase sort of uh, uh, sex scene where the whole point of the scene is to kind of introduce these two characters. It took me longer than it should have to realize the one main character, Black, Black Bolt. Black Bolt can't speak, which you sort of get in the scene. But I was well, like, let's, let's do this now. Yeah, let's, okay. let's talk about Black Bolt. What are his powers? Well, we learn later on, but first you realize he doesn't speak and the realize he doesn't speak is he has some sort of banshee-esque voice that shoots out sort of is a projectile just pushes everything out of his way yeah it seems to cause some sort of wave of destruction if he makes any sort of noise or speaks but it's almost uncontrollable so that's why he doesn't speak at all because it's like i think it's even like just like going well like kill people yeah well i mean what we come to learn is uh in a flashback is that when he was a teenager he killed his parents and uh what i actually thought was like one of my favorite moments of the entire pilot where they, they they're kind of like describing or they're setting up the idea that he's not allowed to speak because something awful happens and you get this cut to a flashback of like a petulant teen on a couch pouting really madly and then looking up at his parents and going why and they explode yeah <laughs> i was just like that's great i love the idea of a petulant teen exploding yeah. his parents by asking why i liked it too it almost made me forgive flashbacks which i hate and this and this show not only loves doing flashbacks to the past but they also like doing flashbacks to something that happened two minutes ago <laughs> well i actually um scrolling through the cast list for the mtb on this episode i found uh the actors were credited as playing the parents and like they're not big actors but they're regular mm-hmm. canadian actors so i think there was much it was a much longer scene right where that was explained i think they i think it was perfectly the editor made the perfect choice but you just get a shot of like right. a pouty teen saying the words why to his parents and them exploding this is all you need it's the only explanation you needed it was yeah. so funny and so, like, so well executed. Not a lot is well executed in the show, but I thought that was, like, one of the perfect parts. I agree with you. Um, and uh, because he doesn't speak, he seems to use a lot of sign language. Mm-hmm. And uh, also because he doesn't speak, uh, actor, how am I, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Anson Mount, mm-hmm. um, Helen Wheels, and I think he's in, in the new Star, Star Trek, Trek as yeah. Pike. Yep. Um, he is doing his best to, he, like, he can't speak. He is giving sign language, that's it. So... He is constantly just like, I'm sure they're like, you need to show that you're mad. So he's mugging yeah. so hard. Like if if he's confused, he has to like pull a face. If he's angry, he has to pull a face. If he's sad, it's he has to pull a face. It's very silent film acting. I think it's not his fault. I think they've really saddled him with like an impossible task. Like you're mm. never allowed to speak, but you have to show all of the, the emotions in the world. But I find it very funny just to, like, I'm actually enjoying watching him just like mug around. It is funny. At first I thought, wow, this is annoying. And then, and then I started kind of liking it. I was, yeah, I'm on. I'm on board that he has to like go, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like at some point, I feel like they must have started uh, over the course of even the pilot. He's just like, well, I guess I'm just gonna like go crazy because he just like gives crazy eyes. It was like, yeah. what is happening? It's, it's, a, it's almost like he's gonna look at the audience and like roll his eyes. Like, can you believe what I'm dealing with? I, I mean, it's a lot like that, and I it's it's grown on me as I as I watch the pilot. His queen is Medusa. Yeah, and uh, what's her power, Jordan? Well, she has excessively long red hair and it is i assume is controlled by her but it seems almost like it has a mind of its own it sort of can act as an appendage it could reach out yeah, and grab that's, that's things a good and, way of saying it i was trying to figure it out i'm like it's a posable hair a term i can use but there's two things about it it's either shot in a show that has i'm assuming a very big budget a not very good wig um at least in my opinion it is a, it is a bad wig or okay cgi uh, I mean, the CGI is whatever. I, I, I actually think the bigger problem with it is the, just the wig isn't good. It's, it's a, not. It's a bad wig. Yeah, it's a bad wig. And, and it's her core character trait. Exactly. And it's very prominent. And I mean, 
this is not a spoiler. The re- there's a reason she's wearing a wig. Yeah. But yeah, we'll get to it's, it. it's, we don't have to put up for the entire. You're series, right, but no. it's it's distracting. It is it is very distracting. And now now here's a question for you. When this came out, people really ragged on it. Maybe fair, maybe not. We'll know as we go along and how bad it looked. I didn't think this actually looked bad. Yeah. But I can imagine watching this on IMAX and seeing that wig would look real bad. Well, I will I will put it this way. I think going to an IMAX to watch this must have been such a bizarre, disappointing experience because you're right, there's some Vista shots that are IMAX, but the action... All of the other like shooting of the of the people in the going around, it's just shot by a television director, like a competent yeah. television director. So it's fine on TV. Like it actually, I'm just like this is just like anything else on television. It, but it's not something that's going to hold up if you go to a cinema for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the fighting, especially, you're right, is very TV. We only have time to choreograph so much kind it's of a lot fighting. of cut-ins for close-ups. You shoot a muzzle shooting and people running and a few yeah. explosions. You know, it's just like we don't have time. We got to move. Like, you know, this is on a TV schedule. And I think as a TV show, I was just like, I think people have been a little hard on it. But I think also if you promoted an, an IMAX screening, I don't know what you were thinking. Like, yeah. I went, I looked up the director too. And he like, nothing wrong with him. He's directed a lot of television, but nothing that should tell you like he should be directing an IMAX feature film. Right. Like he's doing a very good job of directing an episode of television. That's what's kind of bizarre about that like little backstory. It's just like it was clearly such a bad idea. Well, that's the thing. It was an, it seems like it was an idea someone had. Everyone got on board and then they started making it and it was like maybe it's not such a good idea, but like the trains too, already yeah, left too the late. station, you know? We're promoting it this way, so. Yeah. I also want to say about Medusa and her hair, her CG hair. I think in theory and probably in the comics, it's like cool to have like moving hair. It is gross and unnerving to see a person's hair moving around like that like they're never not at one point because like when they're in sexy time she's using her hair and it's just like it made me feel ill i was just like it is funny isn't it that it's hard to please everyone and a lot of times in these adaptations specifically comic adaptations not everything always translates like you know x-men movies they didn't want to have them in yellow spandex because they thought it would look silly they were probably right but you know some of the powers don't always look and you're right hair you can an artist can draw it doing anything and it will look cool, cool. It, it is hard to make this look cool it felt a little like a horror movie it's just like like maybe the grudge or something where hair is like coming out of something it's just like it just felt like hair in real life is not something you want to really like yeah. see doing things i don't think but the whole point of the scene is basically to introduce both them as characters and that they're the king or queen of this society of the moon of the moon yeah <laughs> oh, you're right of the moon um we we jump ahead and there we, we head to a meeting at their i guess their high council of some sort where they're discussing a moon rover that nearly discovered their base but essentially this is an opportunity to meet the rest of the cast i'll go through them all now and we can talk about them mm-hmm. um there's gorgon yeah now how much did you love that his name is gorgon as soon as i saw his name was gorgon i'm like oh is this taking place in the quark universe <laughs> yeah <laughs> by the way i'm hoping that quark becomes our new tech war we're just always talking about uh quark i mean it was hilarious that someone else was named gorgon after we just finished watching a show where the bad guys were the Gorgons. Yeah, but here's the thing. Gorgon's a great name. It's a great name for a species or a race of aliens. A name as a character, I don't know. But yeah, sure, Gorgon. It's at least powerful sounding. It's fine, yeah. I mean, it is it is perfectly and, fine. And what's the deal with Gorgon? His power is that he has hooves. <laughs> that seems to be it. I, but no, no, not only hooves, but it seems like... Instead uh, of feet. Instead of feet. Um, and what I like is the way they always have to shoot it. One, I think he wears boots that cover it, and then they always have to just cut to his, like, a close-up of the feet. Well, yeah, that was weird. At some point, he just put on, like, regular human boots. Yeah. And then later he'll take them off again. I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand. We don't happening. know why. But it's it's because they don't want to have him wearing those 
yeah fake feet all the time but he seems to also be able to stomp real hard that causes oh that's waves true. similar to like like uh shock waves like incredible hulk can do i think yeah, sort yeah, of the yeah. Idea. he and he's the uh head of the royal guards he's the um uh what's his face from uh planet of the apes oh <laughs> you think he's uh, urko he might be our urko okay great um and then we have karnak Mm-hmm. Which also made me laugh, but just because I'm old, because that's the name Johnny Carson used to have for the like Swami character that he would do that would would guess jokes. Anyways, that made me laugh. Oh, that's good. Me, um, me, me, and everyone's grandfather. <laughs> yeah, all the grandkids got their grandfather on TV to watch the new Inhumans. Karnak, <laughs> that's Johnny. <laughs> um, what is what is Karnak's power? You know, I wasn't quite sure, but I think I've nailed it actually. Because it, what it seems like he can do is almost stop time and do calculations of like the physics of of the physicality he wants to do but what i what i think it is is i wasn't sure if he could freeze time and redo things because that's what it almost seemed like but i think what it is is he can project an outcome project an outcome of something so he can figure out what he wants to do first And, and they and they visually do it with sort of like you're kind of classic, like if you have a genius, so it's like you see numbers and yeah. lines and that sort of stuff. I mean, stuff. I think we saw it in that almost tune episode with the geniuses who could like see the numbers. Very on similar, stuff. Like, yeah. It all, and it, it's kind of got a cool look to it. Actually, I didn't mind it. Like it's definitely stealing a little bit from uh, Doctor Strange, I think, like that similar Rooney kind of things. Um, but I mean, I guess if, if this is still not making sense, I think his power is basically like, do you remember Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies? <laughs> yeah. Like this is exactly those fight scenes where he can right. like predict like the movement of everyone and like, because right. he's so smart. And I'm pretty sure in the comics, in this, he's played by, like, a human, obviously. But I think in the comics, he's, like, red or something like that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. Um, He's also a a bit of a prick and a bummer. (laughs) He he is. He is a bit of a bummer. He's really mean to a maid at some point. Yeah. And then later, he's just, like, he's just a real downer. He's, like, really bumming everyone out. Isn't it weird how... uh, I know what they're doing. They want to establish he's a character. He's a three-dimensional character. It's interesting. But you're right. It's like, why are you saddling with that on first episode like it's not like you've learned to like something about him you're like oh i've learned that he's a prick i mean i i have to give to this actor is like it's not a a, with a lesser actor this would be tougher to overcome i think he's actually doing an okay job of still keeping him like i still want to watch that character but it's just like i know it's just like man oh man i gotta spend time with this guy Yeah. It, it did make me wonder it's like why does the royal family want him around <laughs> other than his very i guess his useful skill of like predicting things predicting but, things yeah um and he's, he's some sort of advisor to the king we then have Maximus, mm-hmm. brother of Black Bolt. And I like this actor who's playing Maximus. I think there is a problem, though, in the casting. And maybe you disagree with me. And this might be just because of the time. So he is, uh, what's his face uh, from Game of Thrones? Yeah, I don't remember his name. He was in, old, the, battle, old, he was in the Battle of the Bastards. Old rapey guy. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they cast him because he was in that moment of that's that guy you love to hate. And they're like, we're going to cast that guy I love to hate as someone you're going to love to hate. And maybe as time goes on, you won't have that connection. Um, but I, I watched it. And I was just like, oh, this just feels like stunt casting. Well, I, I think you're not wrong. I think they are casting him for the purpose of loving to hate him, which a bad actor is pretty likable in this role, actually. So it's not working in that direction. And like his character is like, wild in this episode uh let's get into it he has no powers and is basically like has lowly human dna which everyone looks down on him for Mm -hmm. he does not like his uh he does not like to be hidden on the moon he wants to invade earth he's perpetually second guessing the king 
and no one can seem to see uh, any sort of problem coming down. Like he yeah. clearly was just like, you guys should be watching him. Everyone's like, ah, he's fine. And he also, uh, he's hot for Medusa. Yeah. They, they sort of, <laughs> they saddle him with a lot. It's true. Like they set him with like all the worst traits basically. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's going to betray everyone. You know, like scene one, you're yeah. like, oh, he's going to betray them. He also is going to get a little rapey. He also is going to um, be violent with people. It's just like right away you just know they're going to put everything on this guy. They really have. I, d- I did like when he was talking to Medusa. He's like, you should be with me. We used to, we, uh, we, we used to be the bad kids who hung out all the time. And I'm just like, what does that even mean? <laughs> they're just like smoking. They're smoking on the moon, hanging out. Well, and, and that's the thing. Oh, let me ask you a real quick question. Is there seem to be any mode of transportation on this uh, city? In the moon? No. No. I don't think, think it's so. very big as maybe the thing. No, well, they say it's a small city as well. I don't know if you caught the population, but it's not a lot. Oh, I, I missed it. It was several thousand, I think they said. But I just noticed there's no cars and there's no train. There's no bikes that I've seen. And I only mentioned that because later on, later in the end of the first episode, uh, Black Bolt seems very uh, surprised and scared about cars. Oh, well, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's part of it, too, is uh, Maximus really wants to go to Earth because he feels... Like, they're too small up here. They're living on, like, very limited resources. And, like, why should humans get all the good stuff? Well, they hide on the moon. Mm-hmm. And that's the premise of his character. Anyway, uh, next, let's meet Princess Crystal. Oh, and I'm not going to say anything against this actress. But I think she's cast because she's pretty. And that's it. I don't know. I I, I think she's... It's, it's a hard, terrible character. It's hard to tell if she's... We see her kind of maybe going to school. So I think she's supposed to be a teenager. So they're, like, treating her like a obnoxious teenager a little bit i think i had more trouble buying medusa i I think oh do you think so i think medusa had more trouble with her role than i think this person did but i could be wrong Um, we'll see as it was the show here's what we know about her she's got what's her power well i can't tell you i don't know it's maybe shooting sparks or something i don't know what her power was she seems to at one point shoot a heat wave possibly but she also seems to be able to freeze things with her hands too so i think she has like Hot and cold, running running hot and cold hands. Yeah. But more importantly, she has sort of straight blonde hair oh, that her. has yeah. a weird sort of uh, straight line that cuts around right around the middle of it and then a circle in the back of her yeah, head. Yeah, she's like a Pokeball symbol on the back of her head. Yeah. If, well, I don't know why. I'm assuming it's in the comics. I, I would assume so too. Man, can you imagine how long hair and makeup must have had to yes. spend to? Because like, she's like, I guess, blonde for the most part or like a, a dyed blonde. And then she's just got a black streak running, like not up and down her hair but like yeah L- let me tell you a little spoiler because i just began the very few first few minutes of episode three and uh <laughs> I'll, I'll just tell you this, this is not ruining anything uh, it's just to your point is that they had her hair like pulled back up and i think it was that point i think like oh we don't want to die oh i mean die. it must have been such a pain because you, yeah. you, you'd have to keep it level she's an orphan who is adopted by a uh, sort of the family of black bolton uh, maximus um after uh, their parents killed her parents while they were attempting a coup. And they sort of, um, uh, weirdly, you don't get much more than that, but they go back to it several times. And I'm like, but you haven't really explained what happened. But like, they just keep, they keep, they're like, you get it, right? Anyways, back worry. history. There'll, there'll be a flashback in coming up. <laughs> yeah, there's so many flashbacks. Uh, and finally, we meet Lockjaw. Yeah, Lockjaw. Who, actually, we you know when we first meet him in the, in the opening credits, because there's an animated, so oh, what he is, yeah, is yeah. he is a, um, I think they refer to him as a cow-sized dog. He looks like a small car. Yeah, he's a, and he's a, oh, he's a, a like a bulldog. I thought he might be a bulldog. I thought he might also be a pug. He's one of those sort of flat-faced, thick-necked dogs, um, but he's gigantic, and he has the ability, 
it's I don't know if he he can do it on his own. I assume he can, but he's commanded by Crystal. Well, it's um, Crystal's pet. Crystal's pet, and she basically will be like, "Take us over here," and he like teleports them. Yeah, he, where, he wherever they need to go. He can teleport wherever he wants to go, and if you're touching him, he'll teleport you with it. But what I was saying is the opening credits when you see the title Marvels in Humans for whatever reason there's a, a little um, lockjaw cartoon at the corner, and he sort of like wipes you out with the. the uh, well, I actually know why. Um, in the IMAX version of the movie, there's a longer title secret credit sequence where all the characters kind of got an animated like oh. title card that came up. And that was, I think, like a, a button on the end of it. I see. I don't know if we'll see it in future episodes. So now that we've kind of met them, we see them attending a uh, Terra Genesis ceremony. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of how the people on the moon become inhumans. Uh, I guess like at puberty-ish, they're ushered into like a big glass phone booth looking thing. Yeah. They take out these special crystals uh, that when put inside of the glass booth turn into smoke or what's called a terogen. Mm-hmm. And the person inside breathes in the smoke and it activates their, uh, I guess, gen- latent genetic abilities. Yeah. And so basically everyone goes in. It's like a test as what are you going to be? Yeah. You don't know. And you it, might come out uh, something cool and you might come out something lame and you might come out with nothing at all. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's like terraforming them like they're yeah because we put two teens in there one comes out she has cool butterfly wings everyone's very impressed they're like, yeah oh, and they're all like oh look at her she's fly. a flyer yeah yeah they love they love flyers they do and the other guy comes out and he has no discernible change um so uh he because he's no discernible change and probably just has the dna of a boring old human he's going to get sent to the moon's mines mm-hmm. the moon mines where he'll mine for resources for the inhumans who live above the surface. They're sort of touching on what I believe is the sort of caste system that yeah. they have in this, which is those who have special powers and are very pretty, and the you know those who do not get the best of the genetics. Yeah, they, who who have no special powers. But I don't know what they're mining and why the mining needs to happen constantly. But I guess that's their only resource. Yeah. Is mining moon rocks? That's 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 basically it. it's like the only place they get anything from is from the moon soil, I guess. Yeah. Maximus, of course, feels bad for the kid because he also is a uh, powerless uh, gentleman. Goes up and to, to comfort the child, and he touches him, and the the kid is revealed to have some sort of uh, future sight. Yeah. It's like one of those. It's like a classic sci-fi thing. Vague impressions of the future that are like uh, abstract images that he very cryptic, and that you can that you can sort of uh, use to uh, justify anything you're doing. You're like. You did say I was going to walk to a room, right? So I have to walk to this room and kill this guy. I, you said so. <laughs> you said I was going to go into a room. Um, but of course, when the genetic council uh, kind of looks him over, they can't really pinpoint anything. So uh, he's sent down to the mines. Yeah. <laughs> Get down to those mines. Um, we jumped to... Uh, do, do you think... Now, if you and I went into those... What are the what are the booths called? Oh, I don't, I don't remember. G- 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 if, you, if we got some uh, Terrigen in our... In yeah, Terrigen. Our what, what do you think? Do you think we'd be sent to the mines? Think uh, you and I? You think you'd probably have the wings? I'd be like, look at that floor. I think you'd get a really long neck. <laughs> what would I do with my neck, though? I, like, I'd like, be like a giraffe, like a giraffe, like a human giraffe. And they'd be like, "Oh, look, look at that!" And I'd be like, "Oh, it takes me a long time to swallow." Well, and they'd be like, "I also have that voice. I'm a giraffe." <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yep. They'd usually do, like look over walls. <laughs> oh, that's right. Everyone could always see me, but oh, yeah, hey, what's over there? Uh, more people binding. <laughs> um i love my draft voice by the way I, it's pretty good thanks uh we uh we jump to a dinner scene now where the whole cast is there and maximus has learned that the black bolt had sent trident down to earth to uh on a secret mission and mm-hmm. he's, he's killed down there and maximus is mad because uh invading earth is his thing so i should mention 
if we haven't before. They know Earth exists. They know oh. there are humans there. They're hiding from them. And they are hiding up on Earth, uh, sorry, up on the moon, but no one on Earth knows they're there. Although they do mention we'll later. We'll come back to they're that. They're like, we've heard of inhumans. And sort of, sort of. No but one anyways. knows they're on the moon anyway. Yes. The sort of the reveal that Trident was down on Earth is to establish that uh, for some mysterious reason, there seems to be pterogen gas appearing around Earth. And um, when the inhumans fled Earth up to the moon earlier, they left ancestors behind. And now um, those those sort of ancestors of their ancestors can still turn into inhumans and hence why uh, lizard eyed lady was down there. And, mm-hmm. and Black Bolt's been basically sending pe- secret missions down to rescue these inhumans because they'll be prosecuted by the government is that what his concern is or right. by the human race, I guess not the government. Right. Also the government, but all bad all around, all bad all around. So now that it's sort of all out there, uh, they send Gorgon down to earth to investigate uh, via teleporting dog. What happened to Trident? And do you think that's the only, that seems to be the only way you can get down anywhere. Well, we'll see a second way a little later. I'll, I'll I'll remind you. There's a second way to we'll get, get there. We'll get oh, there. We'll you know, you're right. There. You're right. You're right. Sorry, you're right. <laughs> That's a better way. Um, it's about this point in the episode now. Maximus decides to execute his very obvious plan to usurp the king. Yeah. Um, the the gunmen on Earth were his guys. He's been sending them down there to hunt down Trident. He kills off the head of the genetic council to, uh, who won't join him in mm-hmm. this, and he basically begins a process of uh, a coup. A coup. Like the, his men on Hawaii, he sends them after Gorgon. And l- we'll just talk about what happens to Gorgon over the course of this. Is uh, While he's in Hawaii, he, he fights off the gunmen. And then he like will wander down to the beach and shout Trident into the ocean. Because he's trying to find Trident. He doesn't, And he does that at least three times. His strategy for finding, finding him, him is just walking around yelling his name. He doesn't even know if he's in the right area, city, country, anything. He just... I mean, Trident. He, he's in the general vicinity, but Trident. it's not really a great plan. And yeah. at some point, he gets tired of yelling Trident into the ocean because he's mostly yelling it into the ocean. Yes. So he decides he's going to attempt to swim. And I like I watched him walking out. I'm like, you have hooves. This <laughs> yeah. is never going to work. I know. And it doesn't. It doesn't. No, he can't swim. Either. He immediately starts drowning. And you might have to explain this to me. So here's what happens. He he's You think, oh, he's, he's drowning. That's the end of Gorgon. But of course, it's Hawaii. So two Hawaii Hawaiian surfers rescue him and pull him onto shore mm-hmm. and we sort of cut to them like you know they're on the beach now everyone's fine and they're Chilling at a fire out. and they start having conversations that i seem to feel weren't warranted like there's like oh yeah you got hoofs you're one of those inhumans right we heard about you anyway so you want to be on a team and we'll help you do what you want to do i was like what what is happening i mean that's exactly what it is it's like they're like they see his hooves and they're like oh you're one of those human humans we've heard about and then him like head of the royal guards is like yeah 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 we live on the moon we're right <laughs> up there like he just starts spilling the beans entirely know, but, but it's like they just the the whole scene happens so fast where they're just like oh yeah well we're on your side and he's like that's great well i got to do this thing well we'll join you with him and they're like oh yeah we're ex-military so and i was like what is happening right now it's it's as if well, this like, is, they ran out of time and they were like jam everything into one scene i don't know well this is what happens basically because it's not in one like it's over like eight scenes but they're like he's like Gorgon's like what am I gonna do about this coup I can't get back to the moon and they're like why don't you just bring the fight to you and so he calls up to Maximus he's like come fight yeah. me and Maximus is like uh, all right and then <laughs> and he turns to the surfers and he's just like you guys better get out of here and they're like no this is our beach we're gonna fight with you but you're like yeah why is any of this happening it's hard to say yeah right what are these surfers gonna do I know it was just it was just such an odd thing because it just for a show that is taking great pains and lengths to explain a lot of back history with flashbacks and stuff they also then have these really clumsy scenes to fill in gaps where you're like 
just maybe have had like three last flashbacks you could have worked on this scene a little more <laughs> explained why everyone knows about inhumans apparently yeah. yeah anyway let's jump back up to the moon where maximus goes after karnak next and uh, we get to see him like beat karnak's or karnak beats maximus's guards with uh, his like we see his powers in action yeah. and he he runs off to warn the royal family of the coup that's coming and he starts with crystal um, he's like, you got to get out of here. I got to go warn the people. And Crystal kind of against his will sent, tells Lockjaw to take Karnak down to Hawaii where he left Gorgon and mm-hmm. she'll take care of the rest up here. And Lockjaw drops him off on the side of a cliff. I don't know if this is just, it's as good as Lockjaw can do, but basically really quickly, we'll get to the details, but Lockjaw is going to take a bunch of characters and send them all to earth. And she's like, send them to where the last person is. But he doesn't put them he puts them in the general vicinity he puts them on the. Uh, it'd be on like the it'd be island. like a major city, like it's London, England. Well, I'm gonna put you in the East End. I'm putting you in the North End, and I'm putting you in the West End. It's like okay, well, they're not really anywhere close to each other. Yeah, they're all on Oahu. I think that's how you pronounce yes. it. They're all on the island somewhere, but they're not close. But I mean, I think this is something I didn't mind because I was like, yeah, he's a dog. But why would you think he like understands what you want from him? So you forgive the dog for his uh, yeah, not having very good know? power. Why would he know? like? Why would he know where you wanted to brace? Like, I, well, I assume he would go to the exact spot he was just at. He just like pops down enough. For him, it's nothing. Like get anywhere. True. He's just looking for a gigantic treat. Um. But anyway, Karnak's left on the side of this cliff, and eventually he decides he needs to climb down the cliff. And as he's climbing, because it's a steep cliff, and he's carefully picking his footholds, and then he falls and like bangs his head really hard. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, he'll just try that again because he has this power where he can try all the outcomes. No, no. He just fell off a cliff and banged his head. I was just like, what? What happened to that? power where this isn't a problem for him i think the whole point of that was they just need him to bang his head so that maybe his powers aren't working as well well that's it he spends the rest of the episode wandering in circles Mm -hmm. bleeding from the head on the island and i mean when i say rest of the episode i mean like probably 40 minutes yeah the next scene or two he uses his powers to like show him direction where he should go and sort of stuff so they're kind of working but not i don't know i think that scene's supposed to be because it's like a compass swirling but he's standing over his own blood I think what it's supposed to show is that they're not working. Like the, oh. the compass isn't working anymore. But I, I, but there's the thing. I don't know how he fell off the cliff. Like his powers are specifically designed where he should be able to like feel his way down this thing. No problem. I don't know. Right. I'm really nitpicking that. But I no. Like, I, I hey, you didn't pick the power. I thought for sure when he fell, I was like, oh cool, we're gonna see another scene of him like using his yeah. power. And I was like, oh no wait, he he no. W- he just wouldn't fell. it be funny if there was like four scenes of him just falling down over and over and he keeps trying different things? He just keeps falling. Well, that's actually really fun like that's a fun idea to use with power for like you know it's a final destination or something like you yeah you run all the scenarios but they're not doing that either yeah anyway let's go back to the moon to where maximus and his guards finally attack medusa um in a in a fight sequence to a cover of painted black yeah i, I hated it <laughs> hated it I, the, no the music the music in this is a little bit hit or miss. I only say that because if I don't notice the music, I'm fine with it. But it's things like this. Just take it take me right out because I'm just like, this is terrible, guys. Zero. It's a cover up the fight sequence where the actress just has to stand perfectly still. And then they like yeah. CG and hair doing all the fighting. But she's just like standing like immobile in the middle of the scene. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't like any of this. Um, so she beats up some of the guys and some inhuman with, I guess, a mind zapping power, like puts it his mm-hmm. hands beside her head and her brain gets zapped and tired and then like maximus comes out and like join me and she's like no and he he takes out uh, an electric razor which he just has with him also I, they must get these things from earth like why would they have uh, why would they have built an electric razor and uh in a very overly dramatic slow-mo sequence he slowly shaves her head yeah and it's i don't know how to say this to not be insensitive they shoot it as if it's like a rape scene 
and at least that's how I felt. And it's supposed to have that same effect, and that's not too. I don't know. It just it it seemed in bad taste to me. I just the way it was shot. I was like, you guys are gross. I don't like any of this. I mean, I think what it is is certainly the writer. He's probably the showrunner of the show. I imagine he wrote this episode. Was like, you know, this is such a huge betrayal by this person she knew. And such a big violation. And her hair is her whole power and that. But it, you're right. It doesn't work. It's either feels way too dramatic for what's happening, or you're right. It's like a lot of it is in like extreme close up yeah. with tears running down her face, and it like feels too uh, like also too violating at the same time. Like it, the tone yeah. is like, and I get the idea. It's like, oh, this is such a disaster for her to lose her power. But it was, yeah, it was so improperly executed. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, guys, I just want to get through this. This is awful. And they want to they want to linger on it as long as they humanly can. Yeah. Um, but this is the point about the wig, because once she shaved, she now basically has uh, shaved short hair, mm-hmm. which has also been dyed red. Yeah. Very badly. <laughs> it sort of ends up looking like uh, the, the thought I had was like, it looks like a wrestling character now. It, uh, unfortunately, they never like for a character who's all about their hair like that's the whole yeah, thing yeah they about didn't them. nail it they couldn't get it as a wig they kind of couldn't get a cg and even shaved like it looks weird yeah it's so strange at any rate he, he sort of walks away to leave her there to contemplate what's happened and uh, of course crystal and lockjaw show up and lockjaw takes her back down to the uh, diamond head crater in in the on the island and she ends up uh, like stuck in the crater she sneaks onto a tour bus which takes her into uh, honolulu uh, Max Maximus at some point will send like his head of security down, a woman named Oran, mm-hmm. uh, to I guess hunt down who's the- wearing the original uh, original X Men movies costume. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It looks exactly like that. <laughs> they all kind of have like weird superhero costumes yeah. on, but she goes down to basically hunt her down in Hawaii. The way she gets down there though, because basically the Lockjaw is right. not taking Oran down there, so like Oran, you got to go down to Earth and find them and uh, kill them, and she goes. She could, I guess there's two ways to get to Earth, other than this dog that we get to see anyway. And she goes to speak to an inhuman named Eldrock. Mm-hmm. What, what's Eldrock's deal? His deal is he's a wall. He's the big stone wall. He's like something from Neverending Story. He's a wall or labyrinth or something. Uh, he's a wall that has a, a face, face that, that kind of... squishes out of yeah, it. Yeah, that comes out of it like a rock face. And he's got a little bit of sass. And she was just like, like, let me down. And he's like, I don't want to. And then she's like, you wouldn't believe what I'll do to your rock family. And he's like, well, all right. I assume, he, I assume he has a human family. I assume this is what happens when he when he took the power right. in that glass booth. He just turned into a big rock wall. Could you wall. imagine the chance you might get wings or you might become a big brick wall? Like I, you're, you're really, how, how did he fit in that tube? I don't, I, it, it raises more questions than yeah. answers. But yes, he then, uh. The bottom as well cracks open mm-hmm. and she can walk into it. And then she emerges on Earth inside of another rock wall. Yeah. And then she had to like shoot her way out of the wall. Like it was like she was caught in an old stone wall up to the waist. And so she just shot at the wall until she got free. Do you think we'll see another scene where someone goes through a wall and comes out into a wall? 100%. I yeah. mean, I they had to establish this character because it's the only way off the moon. Because right. if, if Lockjaw is one way and they can't control Lockjaw, how else are they going to get off the moon? I mean, it's it's really good this guy got this power because otherwise they'd always be stuck. Uh, yeah, it's bizarre. It's truly one of the most... I loved it, but I'm yeah. like, this is insane. I, I should make a note. I kind of wish the show almost played up these weird elements a little bit more. I'm, I'm a little less uh, involved in the intrigue and sort of uh, backstabbing. More like, yeah, wall, wall rock people. Sure. 
Yeah. Um, once once Iran sort of tracks down Medusa on on Hawaii via their uh, their wrist communicators, they have wrist mm-hmm. communicators they can like open up into little mini computer tablets. Their communicators they essentially act as phones and trackers and little I think Google Maps. They, yeah, they, they do, do everything. Yeah, they do it all. Uh, uh, the two of them get in a little fight. Medusa stabs her repeatedly in the stomach when a particularly brutal little sequence. Yeah, it's uh, I can't remember where she's just finds. Was someone had a pocket knife in their pocket on, on the tour bus? There was like a guy yeah. who ate an apple with a with a pocket knife. And I guess so she stole it from him. It was a real sharp pocket knife, and she stabs the woman. I don't know, forty five times. Yeah, it, it's it's and then uh, basically. Uh, Medusa leaves the dead woman to go go into the city to try to start tracking down Black Bolt. And um, we get a brief sequence just at the end of the show where uh, Oran, I guess her power is to heal yourself several hours after you've been stabbed. Yeah. Because she like it's the middle of the night and she, she gets up from where they left her de- left her for dead. And she looked at she like lifts her shirt and her stomach's like suddenly healing itself. And I was yeah. like, all right. Did they not know that was your power? Yeah, I know. Well, or or maybe it's, it was at least a way to stall her. Yeah, I guess so. It could yeah, be because they were like, like she's got that great power of healing. Oh, don't worry about it. It takes like hours and hours to work. <laughs> it, it happens instantly hours later. Hours hours from now, she'll be fine yeah. in an instant. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's hop back up to Maximus, who's who's going to try to arrest uh, Black Bolt here. But of course, as with everyone else, Lockjaw arrives just in the nick of time and mm-hmm. uh, steals Black Bolt away and drops him off in the middle of Honolulu mm-hmm. in a big intersection that causes a car accident when everyone sees a giant dog and a weird moon man arrive. And I thought here, there's little hints of it, but I was really excited because I thought the show was going to become Star Trek four at this moment. Right. Right. You know, just like that fish out of water. Like, can you believe where I am? I mean, there were elements of it. There, there definitely are. Um, and maybe they'll, maybe we'll see a little more of them. Cause I quite clearly is going to, most of the shows going to be set on Hawaii, which to be fair, I kind of it's kind of fun that's set on Hawaii. Yeah. There's like I love that it's in Honolulu, like in Hawaii is playing Hawaii. I, I actually like it less when they're running around the jungle because it just looks like lost. But when he's in the city, it's kind of fun. Like Lockjaw goes away, Black Bolt just wanders around and he can't speak, so he like walks into a store because he's like, Everyone wears different clothes than me. I better get mm-hmm. new clothes so I blend in. And an overly helpful sto- like clerk at this suit store dresses him in a bespoke suit. Yeah. Even though he can't speak anything. What I like though is she's like <laughs> she catches on quick she he walks in and she's like oh hey you looking for a suit seems like you can't talk i can help you it was yeah, just she, like whoa, it was like whoa that was she's, she's like i guess you don't speak english yeah and she's like i'll help you what if i give you this perfectly tailored suit and then he he i, I and i actually thought it was a pretty good sequence because i think it plays into him sort of like being this king who just expects things is like thanks for that suit i'm just gonna walk out yeah he, now he mugs his way up the door <laughs> so he walks out and basically like cops uh like call the cops the amount of excessive police that come for this is crazy. It so is funny. Do, remi- remember, he walked out a sh- door with a suit. He shoplifted a suit. That's let's say let's say at most what five hundred dollars. I mean seven hundred dollars, twenty five hundred dollars. Say at okay. most, like it's a very nice suit. I clearly don't know how much suits are, but sorry, twenty five hundred. But let's say it's like that good a suit. Is that worth like ten squad cars? Well, I kind of think what happens is because at first one car pulls up and the cop pulls out his gun. He's like, "Hey, mm-hmm. put your hands behind your back." And when the guy goes to cuff Black Bolt. Black Bolt like just flips him over and cuffs him on the ground. It mm-hmm. cuffs the cop with his own cuffs. And he's like, I don't know. What are you doing? Like he just mugs yeah. for the camera. At which point you're right. There's not enough time for everyone to call it in, but like seven other cop cars pull up Yeah, and they whip out their batons and they're like beating and stomping him. Yeah, it is. It's an odd scene because there's at least three to four cops who just beat the hell out of him. And it, it's, and again, it's like, 
over a stolen suit? Would they? Well, it's it's like the earlier shaved head scene is like I feel like that was also someone's like oh this is a commentary on like the situation with police in the states right now. Maybe, but it, it does. But the problem is it doesn't work because he's just like a handsome white dude. Yeah, in a suit. like not like none of the commentary because it's so over the top. Like the police beating is so over the top that I feel like this is someone trying to make a comment about something who who just doesn't understand what they're making a comment about. Yeah, maybe. Cuz it was it was it was so over the top like and it was and it was played to be like, "Can you believe this abuse of power?" and it's just like, "What's going on here?" Yeah, I know. It's and it's and it's one of the issues I think that kind of start popping up is is what you've mentioned is the tone of this. Yeah. It's sort of like, "Isn't this a weird sci-fi thing where like there's a talking wall? That's fun." Oh, boss wait, police brutality. Yeah, and I mean, while they're do- while they're beating him, he like you know, whimpers at some point and it like causes a noise to come to his mouth and it flips a cop car. And at that point they're like, Oh, you're an inhuman. And so they like catch on at that point that he might be like a powerful inhuman or mutant or whatever they are. And I think in the showrunner's mind, he's just like, this is like X-Men, like that he's being discriminated against because mm-hmm. they like, they didn't know that. Up- so it doesn't work. Like none of what he's doing yeah. works. Like it just feels like it's just never, none of it ever. He doesn't show his place. power until he's already been beaten up. Yeah. And basically the rest of the episode, he'll be like at the police station, getting mug shots, getting put into a prison cell. Like he kind of like he, he cooperates, but we kind of leave him in this, ep- in this episode being put in a prison cell, this police station, which is all very silly. Cause you're just like, well, he'll be just opens his mouth. And yeah. Just walk right out. Like it, it just seems. Yeah. There's no tension to, it's like, it's like, Hey, we just put Superman in handcuffs. I was like, Okay. I mean, what's kind of nice though is uh, at least uh, Anson Mount, Mount, like his expression the entire time is just like one of like mild amusement. I think we said earlier, I wasn't sure how what, how I felt about his performance, but by this point, I think it's playing his sort of like over as you've said mugging his like pretty broad acting plays much better as a fish out of water on Earth than it does um, on, up on, on the, the moon. moon. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's go back to the moon one last time. What we see now is what, with the royal family sort of in exile on the run, Maximus catches Crystal and uh, incapacitates Lockjaw so there's no more teleporting anyone anywhere. He locks her up in sort of uh, her room and is basically trying to convince her to join him and like bringing up, it's like, hey, your family thought this was dumb too and my parents killed them, you should join me. And and she's kind of like, eh, now nah, you're just a gross human. I don't like it. Like she's very dismissive yeah. of his like gross genes. So, you know, will she come around? I doubt it, but uh, that's kind of like where they leave it with her. Maximus then goes down to the mines and like visits his uh, old future site friend and uh, tells all the all the lowly miners. He's like, hey, things are changing around here now that I'm in charge. So uh, this whole cast thing, we're going to turn it on its head. And finally, he kind of gives a big speech to, I guess, all of the inhuman population. He's just like sort of tells them the royal family, they've all run off for some reason. I'm, I'm finding out why. I'm looking mm-hmm. into it for you. Don't worry about it. But, you know, as long as they're gone, what do you guys say? You want to you invade Earth? How do you feel about that? And they're like, hey, you know what? Maybe yeah. we should. Maybe we should invade Earth. And kind of leaves us on that like note of like family in exile, arch villain in, on the moon who wants to invade Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of where we wrap up. But before we move on, there's a side story about fake NASA that we yeah. haven't talked about. Yeah. And I, I didn't catch the uh, scientist's name, but I just wrote that she kind of looked like Supergirl in disguise. No, I mean, that's not bad, actually. That's not a bad uh, bad, bad description. She does actually look like the current Supergirl. That's what I mean. She looks like, yeah, Supergirl in disguise. Um, that's Louise, who works for the Callisto Aerospace Control Center, better known as fake NASA. Yeah. And uh, they they had sent the moon rover up that bumped into the wall that uh, Gorgon destroyed. And 
looking at the video footage of it, she looks at it and she's like, oh, it looks like that's a hoof stomping on this. Uh, and they're like, a hoof? Are you crazy? We thought you were the most brilliant, beautiful, wonderful person ever. But instead, you're kind of crazy. Yeah. Her boss says, maybe you need to take a vacation. She's like, but what about these signals that show from the moon energy signals landing in Hawaii? And they're like, mm, you still sound crazy. And she's like, well, I'll go on vacation to Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. She like winks at the audience. Like, can you believe I got away with it? And then like the episode for her ends with like landing in a plane on Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that's kind of it. That wraps up the episode. But, um, but we have to say they go back to that like 10 times. Oh yeah. Like her story, which honestly I think lasts about as long as we talked about it is cut back to seven or eight times. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact about that though. That was one of the things that weren't in the IMAX movie. Like oh, they, just, right? they just didn't show any of that subplot. Cause I mean, it, you know, it wouldn't have made any sense in the course of the movie. Like it's more probably right. for build up in the show. Cause I'm sure she'll be a yeah, character. Because as a viewer, you really want to know what happens. You've got to know what's going on with Louise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll get into rating it, but uh, it's funny. I think you were walking the line of this idea before. Uh, it's funny. The show feels other than the things where they're trying to make it modern, like the, the stuff that's really not working. It feels like a real throwback. Like this could be Galactica 1980. Like it's silly. Like people on the moon, one's a king. They have silly powers. And then at the end of the first episode, they're stuck in Hawaii going on like one-off adventures every week and helping the locals. And there's an evil moon king looking down, sending like Gorgons after them. Like it it feels like a throwback. It feels like such a throwback show. Well, it's funny you say that because after I finished watching this, I thought there are two other versions of the show that I could see happening that are, I think, better than this. One is what you just mentioned, which is instead of having the whole first episode would be this betrayal and this coup, have that have already happened off screen. The episode starts with these guys, this whole team sent down to Earth. And like, it's that like, they have powers, but they have to deal with Earth. You're right. It's that sort of Galactica 1980 thing, but maybe not terrible. Um, and it can be a little bit lighter. And it's there is this plot of them trying to get back you know, uh, yeah, back to the moon, and that's the villain off in the way, but that's the show. The other thing I thought is it almost feels like the whole Maximus betrayal could have been a season long arc of developing right. this. There was other plots, and then at the very end, can you believe this guy you've come to know and love? He's turned against them all, and maybe it would have been a more effective turn as opposed to he shows up a scene and he's like, Ain't I a weasel? By the way, I'm a weasel, and he takes over. It's like, Oh, that happened fast. They really telegraph it for that, yeah. for sure. I mean, yeah, I, I don't. It's it's a weird first episode with like some things. I'm just like there, and it's funny. I, I absolutely know that's neither of those things are probably what he wanted to do. I think right, the showrunners doing what they wanted to do, but it does feel like it's just so silly. Like everyone has weird powers, and none of them are consistent, and they're all like, I'm a I'm a wall. I've got butterfly wings. Uh, I've got hooves. Well, yeah. So it's too silly to be taken seriously. It. There's a very. Uh, silly sort of uh silver age powers thing happening and it's like play with that but they wanted to make this adult well and i mean i I vaguely remember as it was coming out like they definitely like did a lot of press and tried to like be like it's like the game of thrones for marvel and it's just like this is you guys not it's not that at all it's not that at all it's a little too silly and that's why i think maybe i like anston mount's uh portrayal because it's silly It's, it's it's fun it's a little silly he for me is working and maybe this is why i'm bumping on medusa a little bit more is i feel like they're because she talks they're forcing her to have all the dramatic monologues for him yeah so she ends up having to like toe this line of like isn't this uh and you are right she gets saddled with some really bad dialogue because like you know we we really went over this real quick but there's a scene where like 
they're having a conversation on their wristwatches, but he can't talk. So she has to be like, oh, I can hear you. And is that your heart? Oh, it sounds like you're like pointing your finger over in that direction. I was like, oh, this poor actress has to deliver this terrible dialogue because the other actor can't. And yeah. you have to have her do both she sides of the conversation. She has to interpret him and then say it out loud for everyone. Yeah. It, it's rough um, for for that actor. I think for that character for sure. Do you want? Do you, should we let's rate this as a single thing? Okay. I know it's two episodes. Like behold the Inhumans and those who would destroy us. Let's, let's give it a single rating for across the two of them. I, I'm interested to hear what you would say. I I think, it, I mean, you know, listen, it's a perfectly passable episode mm-hmm. of television, but you know, it's not silly enough. It's too dramatic. So I, I it's just a six for me. I, I mean, could it? gel into something maybe if it gives up on its like higher ambitions yeah i'm gonna go something similar a little bit higher i'm gonna go hope that it's gonna get better so i'm gonna go with 6.5 but i would agree with you on on pretty much all these points that there's some tone issues i don't know if they're gonna remedy themselves i'm kind of hoping they'll choose one or the other i'm really hoping it'll be more silly than really dramatic but i don't see that happening but you never know we'll find out we'll find out yeah all right, Jordan. Well, in the meantime, uh, listeners, you can email us at uh, continuumdrag at gmail.com. And on uh, Instagram and Twitter, well, you know, there'll be hooves. There'll be butterfly wings. Uh, uh, transporting dogs. There'll be a uh, t- sullen teenager saying why and killing his parents. <laughs> they'll, they'll all be there. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on those on Instagram and Twitter at uh, Continuum Drag. Oh, yep. what's the name of this show? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but listener, thank you for joining us here. And Jordan, see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard. <laughs>